It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome back to a Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and this afternoon I'm delighted to welcome back Peter Magaki and of course Brian Degnan to the show after what could only be described as a 27-minute masterclass. We're going to be talking about that game, of course. We're going to be talking about where it puts us in the race for what inevitably we are going to be calling two in a row. Uh, Peter, I mean, that 27 minutes... Uh, where we, we we go to a you know a four nothing uh, lead could have been five missed a penalty the only penalty I can ever remember missing and looking at Kyogo's wee smiling face and not being angry about missing a penalty um, and I'm actually sitting watching that game thinking wow this could be the day that we we score ten it was looking like that wasn't it Peter I well that's what I thought when we started and um, you know what I mean like actually Kamarnik had the first sort of like break then maybe the first five minutes and then. As soon as we go up the field, Kyogo breaks away, scores, and then it becomes two to four. And yeah, I was like, what's going on here? I, I did I did think this was going to be like nine, ten, especially. I mean, I turned around to my girlfriend, I said, That's 20 minutes, and we're four nothing up. And and then we had a and then we had a penalty, and I honestly I wasn't even confident. I mean, it should I should have been confident in him scoring, but I don't know what it is with Celtic and penalties. We just kind of seem to like get a consistent Penalty taker, you're guaranteed he's going to score. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. so it was a wee bit frustrating that he even missed because I was like, our play deserves uh, a really big score. I would have to say on that performance, on that, the thing about it is it's like you look to go in and win games, but does it matter? It can be frustrating for us because it's done in like 20-odd minutes, as in like 
the football sort of stops. But like that's what you sort of want. If if you if we go into next season and it's like um any pressure matches and we turn up like that and score four in twenty minutes and kill the game, uh, any any worries or nerves that you might have had is, are over with. So it's like you can just sit back and relax and enjoy it and just hope to keep playing good football. But I thought that first half, the whole first half, uh, was probably the best half seen as playing this season. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. just the movement and the space and everybody was on it from the, the minute go. And um, and then you've got just people coming back to form and stuff. So uh, it, was, it was brilliant, uh, a brilliant first half, uh, especially. You know, going into a game like that, Brian, it's like what Peter says there, right? If uh, you were given a 4-1 at Rugby Park, you'd have taken it all day long. Um, but then you look at the performance of it and you feel a wee bit selfish because you're like, I just want more. I want more. You know what I mean? And I remember feeling the same uh, last February, the 3-0 game against Rangers. We went in 3 nothing at half time. remember, and you're thinking to yourself, no, I want to win this game 7-0. But, I mean, that that is just natural. But that's down to the way we crafted uh, the chances, the way that we cut... Kelly open. It was brilliant to see McInnes having to make two substitutes after 30 minutes. I don't care what that does to the two players' confidence. I just wanted to, and I'm, I'm always this way. I just, you know, I want to be ruthless, Brian, and put them to the sword. By the way, that doesn't take the shine off of what was a brilliant result, uh, but in particular, that first half hour was sensational. Well, it was great to watch. Um, one of the interesting things about it, and I was just sort of thinking about um, the performances and results and games like the, the 3 nil and things. And there's been a few times where we've stormed into a lead and then sort of sat on the rest of the game. And you wonder if that's intentional or if it's just natural in the players or not. So that's happened a few times. But listen, if, if that's what we're going to complain about, that's a bright position to be in. If, if, we're, if we're saying, oh, I can't believe we only scored four today, I'll take that. I, I'm very happy with that. Um, and what's interesting, I know going to depth and we'll talk about some of the players and stuff, but I was just thinking about the results the past the, the past few weeks and stuff and we've been consistent play's been a wee bit up and down at times but we need to remember we've been missing our best midfielder for a few mm-hmm. games now and Hitati well maybe not McGregor's probably the best all-round midfielder but certainly our most important midfielder this season Hitati and you're almost forgetting a wee bit like you wouldn't notice he wasn't there yesterday and I, and I that was something that was my biggest takeaway for the game I went we're that good at the moment and the squad's that strong that Hitati's no playing and we're steamrolling teams. Like, I, I still have mentioned it before a few times. If you've got a midfield of McGregor, Iwata and Hitati, once that's in full throw, I think that's a, a, a very, very exciting combination midfield. Well, this is the thing, Brian, because going into the game, one of the biggest discussions we had last week was around some of the changes and we were talking Iwata over Moy. And that obviously did happen. But what yesterday did was give us the opportunity to see what's in store, you know, because we're getting used to what you think in your own mind is maybe the best start in 11. Um, and I know there are certain games where certain players perform better, etc. And I totally get that. But you were getting, a, I was getting into a, a, a kind of habit of saying, well, I know what the back five is going to be. What's your best midfield? That often sparks debate. And then up top, you know, it's uh, generally been Maeda, Kyogo, and Jota. Um, and then, 
you know, you get the introduction to some of these, I'm not even going to say newer players, but players that are uh, not being seen as, as often as they first picks. And they, they also come on and perform really well. As always, I'm really keen to get the thoughts of our fellow uh, Axomniacs, as they've been getting called on the comments section. And first in is Jungle Lion Morning. The relentless steamroller just keeps rolling. And Jungle Line reminds us that we're only um, some crack winning at their place. That, that wasn't what I was going to bring up. But yeah, it will be some crack winning at Ibrox. Um, seven points to win the league is what I was going to bring up there, Jungle Line. And it's astonishing to uh, think that we're at this position. Um, and it seems, I'm not going to say early in, in the season, but you know, just at that split, and we're talking about uh, single figures before we win the league. Magnet 67. Good afternoon, Axom team. Another great win at a tricky venue. Thought we took our foot off the gas when I was dreaming of a 10-0. I still think under Ange Postacoglu that is a possibility, a real realistic possibility. Uh, Robert O'Neill, hail, hail, Axom team from Southampton. Uh, Awata is looking more classy every game. Should we invest in a big number nine for Europe? We're going to be talking about o, O's uh, performance as well uh, later on in the show, Robert. So I think you're... Your question will be answered then. Uh, big shout out to Paddy Lavery and the boys from Ardoin as well. And Aero 250 destroyed Kelly in 27 minutes. That's Angie for you. Yes, it is what Tony Haggard used to call the free-scoring, never-boring um, Celtic. And, and that's exactly what we've seen at the weekend. 27 minutes, unbelievable impact. Now, I'm going to start by going to a point you made, Peter, about uh, Kyogo. And I was watching the first kind of six minutes of that game and I'm not going to say he was frustrated, but Kyogo made it happen. He made it happen, right? So he's seen that, as you were saying, Kelly's got a wee bit of the ascendancy in that in the first few minutes. And what Kyogo's done at that point is he's gone deep. He's actually gone deep. He's he's uh, gone into his own half, found a bit of space and given um, the defender an out ball. And at that moment, he actually gets taken down, you'll remember. And it takes all that that early kind of pressure you were talking about off Celtic. And I think it's a part of Kyogo's game. It's unselfish. It might go kind of unnoticed. That kind of work rate off the ball is astonishing. Um, but it resulted in us then getting the uh, the control of the game and him scoring that goal. And I want to talk about the goal. There were so many aspects of that goal. The way that he used his lightning pace to nick the ball, because it was probably a 70-30 ball in the defender's favour at that stage. Kyogo nicks in and he gets it. And at that point, he's at a situation where it's all about composure. Um, and then a wee bit of skill to flick the ball back, the wee heel, he takes another touch. And even then, he can probably square it. But then the finish is brilliant. It's just quality. He places it in. And in that moment, in, in those six, first six minutes, we've seen two different sides of Kyogo. Um, we've seen the relentlessness. We've seen the skill. Um, but we've also seen Kyogo, the, the team player as well, Peter, and it was tremendous that early on because that set us up for a, for what turned into a cakewalk. As he's um, he's fearless, he puts his body in. A lot of people think just because you see people at all that hold defenders off, but he, he puts his cell in uh, between defenders as well and takes a lot of hard hits. When um, when the ball came to him and then he just spun behind the defender, you're like, what Just what a turn and take, and then his pace gets him away. I think when he gets into the box, you're like, he probably maybe times gone by would have squared it because he's quite unselfish, but I think it's a good thing that he's starting to get a wee bit, maybe looking at the goals that he's scoring, maybe he's like got 30 goals for the season, he wants to keep adding to his numbers, so that made him probably just take it himself. And, uh, and when he's in that sort of form, 
he's the best. He's definitely the best striker in the country. But um, like when you watch him, you like uh, that. You expect him. It's like when you watch Celtic players and they make it hard and t- uh, days gone by. But when you watch him, you like you expect him to take that turn. And these aren't the easy things today. But you just expect him to go by the defender, you cut back, and then just uh, slot it away. So it was a brilliant finish and a brilliant start to the game. It was, and you know this. There's a lot of comments coming in today, and it's understandable about this drop off, second half disappointment, not extending the lead any further. But a big part of that, Brian, was the fact Kyogo came off at half time. Yeah, I think so. I think. Um, I, well, I think there's a number of factors again. There was a number of changes in the team, and you can imagine as the game sort of wore on, maybe guys that hadn't played as much might have been a factor. There was a few changes, I think, in the 60 minute mark as well. So the, the part of the play was we were disrupted. Um, I thought we oh, done all right when he came on. We'll talk about it more, but yeah, obviously, we've got a guy like Hugo. We, we've been having a discussion over the past week or so about is he the best you know, Celtic striker since last And I think we've, the kind of consensus is. They've been better, maybe individual players, but there's very few players have met the, the, the style of play versus the player itself is based so so um, so well. And you look at we are a different team without him. Just even when he's uh, Al Morrison was talking about it the other day, when he's not got the ball, he doesn't do much. You know, he doesn't do much on the ball rather, but he's moving off the ball. He's just dragging defenders all over the place. Mm-hmm. He's so skillful. He's he's got everyone on their toes and. When that boy loses the ball for the, the, the first goal, you can tell that spooked him for the rest of the game. He must have been thinking, where is he? Where is exactly. he? Because you, you, you can't, he just pops up on all these spaces. And I just think we, we don't realise sometimes how good a finisher he is as well. Like We talk a lot about his movement, his pace, but the composure to take that ball and just take his time, pick his spot, put it through the boy's legs. Excellent, excellent stuff. And as I say, as I mentioned the other week, when the, the first goal against Rangers, when he takes it, turns, and then knocks in the, on the turn, it was an incredible goal. It's magic technique. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's almost getting, there's not enough else to say about how good Kyogo is, is there? I know. Think, I, sorry, sorry Peter, you the thing about, I think about Kyogo is like, there's no look fat in his performance, if you know what I mean. It's like a lot of other players will indulge in uh, do their steppers and stuff when, when they're enjoying themselves, but his is very like just straight to the point. Just make the right runs and get it out wide and get it into the box. It hardly touches the ball, but his numbers are unbelievable. So that's really what you want. I to the eye, we might look like players that uh, like Edwards and stuff that did a steppers can buy a few players, but he's he's the effectiveness of him is just unbelievable, and that's yeah. what we love. Mm-hmm. All killer, no filler. Um, and the thing again, you were talking about his work off the ball, Brian. There's footage from behind the goal when Jota scores against Rangers, when he um, somehow manages to beat Alan McGregor to the ball, and uh, obviously scores for a brilliant angle. When you see the the work that Kyogo's doing, dragging defenders, even then he's dragging defenders away like twenty yards behind Jota. Absolutely superb. Um, Celtic follower, you're on the YouTube. Welcome back to the show. Anyone who wants to comment, just subscribe to the channel. Um, and we are running various competitions, by the way. We've been kind of busy doing other stuff. But yeah, I've got a jersey I'm going to have to give away very soon. But we'll do that this week. Celtic follower, was good to see Kobayashi and Awata getting game time yesterday. Haksabanovic looked out of sorts, though. Um, we'll talk about the three introductions because, again, we have been talking about these guys who have been just below 
um, kind of like the first picks, and they came in yesterday, and we'll be hearing your thoughts about their performances. John Sweeney, uh, the great save by Hart in the second half. See, yesterday after the game, guys, I didn't want to talk about anything that would even veer towards negativity. So I didn't want to talk about maybe a wee bit of disappointment in Haksabanovic's performance, or maybe a couple of the elements of Johnson's play that, you know, if you were really to highlight and look at, you could talk about. But I think it's all right today. So John Sweeney actually brings one of these up. Um, and I'm not going to say it's negative. It's just, it's a, you know, it's an observation about Johnson. He was ball watching again. And that's something that not just Johnson, but um, Johnson and the defence were guilty of when Tavernier scored his second goal uh, the other week. Uh, sorry, Tavernier or Tavernier. I'm not sure how you pronounce it, but we'll call him Tav Penn, right? Captain fantastic, isn't it? That's him. That's him. Um, and the Kelly player gets a free error. Yeah, th- there's wee elements, I think, of Johnson's play. I was bigging him up yesterday, actually, uh, Peter, because what I said about him is... Uh, the Jordan Jones tackled. Sometimes he'll just do the dirty business. He'll just go in and take a book and if he needs Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I will, um, it's good to see that. Uh, <laughs> it is. It is good to see. Uh, I will, in the past, we've been too nice, and it's good to get get a player like everybody and everybody in every team loves to have a player with a wee bit of dig in them, and uh, you can tell that it wasn't tackling for the ball. It was a clear yellow, but I mean, it was nothing worse than that. But and it just gets up and they accepted it. I mean, if you ask me about the sort of team, it's really it really matters about how the team perform, even if there's certain individual performances within it that aren't maybe up to like real standard, but they're a team so if one guy has the day and has job to the best of his ability somebody else is going to help him out mm-hmm. and uh, I don't think he was particularly special uh, Johnson and I love Johnson but it's just you can see you have to be honest with, with an assessment of people's performances it was fine but um, but he's always going to be uh, up there in our, uh, our ratings because um, just what he gives to the team he's just got that bit of dig I know. And, and you know what? It is a bit old-fashioned, right? I mean, the game has moved on. I, I remember we used to watch the old uh, Celtic games on Celtic TV when I think it was called Channel 67 at the time. Brian, they used to do reruns of the old games. And uh, honestly, the, the, the game was a completely different sport back then. Um, so there's a wee throwback to that where you would dive into tackles and, and this bit of dig that Peter uh, talks about. And he's definitely got it. I think there's loads more to his game as well. Um, but there's been a couple of comments in relation to maybe switching off a wee bit at the back post and things like that from time to time. But it is more of a, a kind of team effort at the back. I mean, that, that was a that was a defence that obviously was given a game to Kobayashi. It was just his third start in a Celtic jersey. Um, and you wouldn't expect Johnson to be making the, the mistakes. The big thing for me... Um, is I, I don't think we've been blessed with great right backs in recent times. And I, I keep saying this since Lustig left, I thought it became a bit of a problematic position for us. Um, I mean, some people say Alhamid was a decent right back, you know. I, I don't know if, if he's got the longevity to be 
considered that. Or sometimes I forget about El Hamid at times when I'm talking about the right backs. But we've also had guys like uh, Maritz Bauer, uh, John Joe Kenny. We've had obviously Zhiranovic. You know, and I think we went through a spell until Ralston regained the position where it was a problematic position for us now. Um, however, I think now with Johnson and obviously Ralston coming back on, onto the bench as well, we can be confident that we've got that position nailed now, haven't we, Brian? Yeah, I think so. And what we need to remember about Johnson is he, he's come in, you know, I think very about a couple of weeks of training and then straight into the game against Rangers and he's been playing ever since. So he's not had a time to sort of have a wee dip in form or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing you need to consider as well is we talk about the defence, you know, is there, who's giving him a shout about people running about him? You know, yeah. is there someone at the back that's vocal? Is, uh, uh, did we lose a bit of leadership when Carter Vickers isn't at the back? Could Joe Hart be more vocal? So there's other aspects as well. It's not just individual players, you know, look at that as a collective. Uh, but on that, like, I think Pete makes a good point about the team in general is I think the collective is greater than the individual in Angie's type uh, sort of system because... You know, yesterday we had no Abada, no Hatati, no Carter Vickers, and absolutely steamrolled, you know, on a difficult surface. Mm-hmm. So you can see when the players are dropping out or changing, you, you, there's not a huge drop off because there's enough people in the system strong enough that everyone kind of knows what they're doing. Yeah. Um, but, and I know we're probably going to talk with them, but, you know, Johnson, Iwata, Kobayashi, Haksimanovic, O. And even Moy, they're all players that come in this season that haven't had a pre-season with us yet. You know, they've still got all summer with a pre-season. Yes. And if you look at the difference from uh, Angie's first season in charge, where we were excellent, to developing the players this season that have been there. You look yeah. at Taylor, he's he's been an incredible transformation mm-hmm. the last season. And again, you've got to imagine that's due to fitness, stuff like that. Um, I think Matt O'Reilly, people were kind of he went a bit of a different form. We need to remember as well that so he covered a lot in European games for Callum McGregor. Yeah. Played that sitting on when he done it very, very well. And then he had obviously Moy been in great form and then Hatati in great form. Tumble kicking to see was Iwata coming in. So he's dropping in and out as well. But once one of these guys have a, a, a bit more time together, I think any little little flaws in their game or, or, or little weaknesses will be, be ironed out pretty sharp. So it's a really, really exciting time now. No, it is, Brian, because I think one of the classic examples of that is Hatati. Um, and by the way, when he came in, he made almost he made an instant impact, Hatati. But uh, near the end of the season, probably a wee dip in his, his form there. You see him coming back from pre-season, a completely different animal. I mean, even like physically, he looked as though he had uh, transformed in the pre-season. And the player that we've seen this season has been a, almost an upgrade on last season's Hatati. And I think that there's um, there's definitely an argument to be made that a lot of the guys you've mentioned who have come in mid-season, um, Brian, we're going to see a different version of them next next term. Uh, Rob Lilly, uh, you're commenting on the YouTube, one step closer to a well-deserved title. Hail, hail, fantastic. And it's great to watch uh, that the progression continues. We've also got Alfredo Morelos, ate my horse. Hacks are no long back from injury. Uh, and wasn't up to full speed before his injury. Once he's fully fit, we'll see a different player next season for me before we see the real hacks. I kind of echoes the point you were making there, Brian, um, and I don't disagree with it, but Sam Malcolmson comes in with uh, a point on a water, has to keep his place. Right, 
Well, we talked about this last week, Peter, and we were talking about Awata keeping his place uh, due to his performance against Rangers. Uh, and obviously, Ange agreed with that. And um, by the way, Axel gets a lot of things wrong. So when we do now and again get something right, it's all right to shout from the rooftops. So Awata uh, regained his, his place. And I thought, I mean, he's, what's, he been get, what's he been getting called um, by O'Reilly in the training? What was it? A bull or a machine or something like that? Mm-hmm. Um, he looks the part. I mean, he's a big, strong player, composed on the ball, good range of passing. Probably um, still getting up to speed with the, the way the Scottish game works. There was one or two occasions where uh, people just kind of nicked in there and got it. But that he'll, he'll get all that ironed out. Very, very impressed with Awata yesterday, yesterday, Peter. What was your take on him? I well, when I first seen him, uh, I think it was a cup game he was playing in. I'm not sure. Um, but I just thought he looked effortless. Everything was simple. Um, he had a lot of time in the ball. And you get some players that just constantly go back, you know, just keep it safe. But I think he's got everything. I think he, he can keep it safe. He takes it in tight areas. But when he's got the opportunity, he plays it forward and he plays good balls into the into the attackers and the attack midfielders. Yesterday, I think him and Kobayashi stood out for me as some uh, two of the best players in the team. But to have somebody like that in the middle... As well as like Callum McGregor, um, so it gives you so much, so much more options. But I think from him having just starting out in the team and not having a lot of starts, from what we're seeing, oh, you have to be delighted. And for the for the money he cost as well, mm-hmm. like a million pound or something like that. If you if you bought a player like that for five six million and he, he played like that, you'd be like, aye, that's that's a bit right. But the money we're paying for these players, and he looks like he's got he's got a lot of energy. And he's also attacking as well as sort of defensive. So I think he's got the whole, the whole um, variety in his play. Now I'm going to I'm going to pick up on that point, Peter. Right, because um, the the value for money has been unbelievable, right, in many of Angie's signings. But I think in particular, you could probably pinpoint someone like Hatati, uh, Maeda. O'Reilly, and this is this is leading on for a discussion we had last week, Brian. Right, because there's been comments made, there's been empty seats. You know, it's just another reminder of of um, value for money, um, a business sense, aspiration, and all this. Because uh, we hear it time and time again. Now, the thing is, Brian. Right, obviously, we've brought a specialist um, into Celtic in Ange Postecoglou, who had a knowledge of the game. Um, but let me let me tell you. I mean, Liam Carrigan has got uh, an extensive knowledge of the Japanese game, and he appears um, from Celtic Down Under on Axe on a regular basis. What a, any club in Scotland could have done um, is tapped into that, or any of the other markets that, that were kind of untapped, and be picking up this kind of player for that type of price. But they didn't. So it is, I mean, I think we, we, no, I don't think, we got extremely lucky with Ange and the fact that he had such a knowledge of that particular market, Brian. But there was nothing stopping any club from saying way back in 2006 when Nakamura was quite clearly a genius. And again, I always have to mention, I know we signed him from Italian club, but it came obviously from Japanese football, Brian. Nothing was stopping any of these clubs from going over there and buying Maeda for under a million quid or Hatati for 1.2 million quid. It just comes to back to this aspirational argument or discussion we had last week, Brian. Um, and the reason I'm bringing it up is because we've gone to Rugby Park again yesterday and, you know, the, the attendance was really, really poor. I went back to, I was talking about John Hartson because obviously we're, going, we're doing a gig with, with John in a couple of weeks. Um, and I was looking at his debut game. It was at Rugby Park. 
He made his debut at Rugby Park in 2001. There was 5,000 more fans at that game. You know, there was 13,000 at the game that John Hartson made his debut in. And and you look at it now and you, all you see is empty seats. Meanwhile, there's loads of Celtic fans dying to get a ticket outside the ground, Brian. So it does come back to this conversation that I, I feel is going to be an ongoing one between you and I every time we're on the show. Um, but there was nothing stopping anyone from going out and realising that the most valuable player in, in Japan is probably a decent footballer. Uh, let's put a package together. Let's bring him over. It was Celtic that did it. But any, anyone could have tapped into that market. Well, you, you say that, but then you look at the look at the sort of hubris of Scottish football. Look at the attitude when Foster Goldberg was coming in. Like, oh, this guy, he's, he's managing Japan. Some Australian guy, oh, who's interested? I can't even say his name. What's his name? All that nonsense. And then look at it. Look at what happened. He slapped to the face because he's been absolutely incredible. He's been an incredible statesman for Celtic. He's been an incredible manager. And I think he's opened, or he should have, open people's eyes in Scotland to these possibilities but as you say time and again you've got Hibs paying you know a million and a half or two million for a player or, or, or spending compensation for other managers that keep sacking and we've got the best player in Japan last year for just under a million quid I mean it's it's it's, insane. it's a complete lack of ambition and it's borderline arrogance I think by a lot of clubs because they go we're the Scottish League we need guys that suited to Scottish football We've been doing that for the past X amount of years and it's no worked. So maybe try something different. And that's what Celtic have done. Now, what I would say is, and I know this proves a bit unpopular at times, but um, I think Mark Wall, the parent, uh, deserves massive credit as well. He's also come in, obviously he was head of recruitment at City Group, and he works for, for Celtic in that role. And, you know, we've been hiring extra scouts, we've been on the ball with these things. Um, Michael Nicholson as well to get the deals done and, and get them in in time the way I just wanted so yeah, what, what, it, what it's done as well is and I've said it before Ange hasn't reinvented the wheel he's not done anything that we were trying to do before he's just done the best version of it we were trying to get these guys that were you know undervalued develop them and then sell them on that was always the model but in this time we've actually done it to fit the team we've took the manager's knowledge on and we've done it in time and we've done it well in advance and we well prepared. So it's mm-hmm. the best version of what we've said that we've tried to do for a long time. We're finally doing it. And as I say, as much as Anne deserves massive credit for the guys he's brought in, and I think that the, the scouting staff, and I see Lowell, Nicholson, they all deserve credit as well for getting it done. And the key thing is, and, and it's something that now seems really obvious that we never really thought of before, is, and I just spoke about it a number of times, he buys people, doesn't he buy players? Mm-hmm. He buys these guys that come in and they connect with each other and they you know, Colin Watt asked an excellent question um, about the, he compared, when he asked Andrew about it, and he said, oh, it's like if no one sits next to you at lunch on your first day of school. <laughs> Whereas, you know, it, it, these guys are all welcoming. It's a yeah. good atmosphere. And also they're good players. So there's a lot of moving factors. But yeah, I think Scottish football, when you look at that stadium yesterday, Kilmarnock, so there's, for us it's easy to say they should be giving us the tickets and then make more money for them, which they should, right? But Kamala themselves, it's not as if they fill that ground any time of the season. No. Now, is that because the fans don't care about the club? I'm not sure if it goes past to say that. But then they're probably charging their fans 35 quid to watch Kamala versus Ross County. Like, they, they, need to, they need to go, right, let's lower that, get more people in. It just makes more business sense. Mm-hmm. Let's charge 15 quid a ticket and try and fill the stadium. And then people are buying pies and people are buying juices and programmes and whatever else. And the branding, the sport looks a bit better. 
there's a lot of things you can do, but I think it's um, a mixture of laziness and arrogance, if I was being really honest. No for the fans, I think for the, the, the Scottish football chairman across the board. I think you're spawn. I mean, very quickly, even if you were just to look at that uh, example I gave, John Hartson makes his debut in 2001. 5,000 more fans were at that game than than yesterday. Now, obviously, um, the amount of seats, there was 10,000 seats in effect, just under 10,000 seats empty at Rugby Park yesterday, right? So if you're a business owner, you're looking at that, Peter, and, and thinking, I'm, I'm not doing something right here. There's something quite wrong. And if you can't, obviously, in the short term, build up the extra fan base because that's something that's a long-term investment. You need some real good planning to do that. Then why not sell them to to Celtic, right? And, you know, there was a, a very quick... Let's let's work on the 5,000 basis because it was 5,000 less yesterday than when John Hartson made his debut. But there's 10,000 seats. If you just worked on the 5,000 basis, I'll just a very quick calculation at 30 quid ahead. It's 666,660... Six quid over four games, right? That's how much you're you're basically losing out on. And the four games would be, of course, two against Celtic, two against Rangers, 20,000 tickets at 30 quid ahead. But when people are in the stadium, even if they were to pay, and this is a very low uh, kind of bar, if they were to pay on average £4 ahead in terms of spend per seat, then that's another 80 grand. So it's a three quarters of a million quid swing. You're saying no to three million, three quarters of a million pounds. What you could do with that, um, if you were Kilmarnock, is you could invest in the the youth system. Uh, you could you could spend it on players. Uh, you know you could spend do that. You could do that. You could do what? Sorry. Spend it in a pitch. You could spend it in a grass pitch, and give the groundsman a wage. And it's all these things that to move forwards. It, it, yeah, it's a short fix. It's short termism, but it's for the benefit of your football club. I just don't get it. I don't understand it, and I don't even think it's about being selfish as a Celtic fan saying we want more, more seats. It didn't do them any good yesterday, did it, Peter? <laughs> you know, no. just having one stand with Celtic fans didn't give us any more of an advantage. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. They just did it. If they, listen, if they want to take that hit, it's up to them. But as it it's just stupid. Um, I think the whole of Scottish football needs to sort of be more forward thinking. If they're, if they're concerned about the teams and the, play, the type of players and the gap between... Celtic, then Rangers and the rest. Um, well, the problem is they need to come together to fix the the whole Scottish game as a, as a, spec, as like a sport, uh, to make it more spectator-friendly to get the crowds back. Um, I feel as if like the sort of Sky deal, like you say, a lot of big, big games that we would watch on Sky don't get shown. And mm-hmm. I think, obviously, Sky 
as far as I know. Obviously get the deal because it paid the most money, but it's no good enough. So why not go to a different broadcaster, take less money, but invest in the entire product and say, can we make Scottish football a product that people are going to want to come and watch and fans are going to come uh, want to come and see, even if they, every sort of team has to take a wee hit on like, broadcasting rights and stuff like that. You just need to think, it, it's, not, it's not even outside the box thinking. It's always, you just need to get people back in the seats, uh, offer uh, maybe kids in for free. Like you say, you're going to make money anyway off people. Mm-hmm. Um, if that's what it comes to otherwise you're just going to sit in empty seats and, and lose money but I think the entire Scottish product it, it seems like every club is divided and out for themselves to make their own sort of money and everybody needs to just come together and go what's the best for everybody let's let's make a good product and have something that viewers want to watch so that's just the way I see it I don't, actually, I don't have the answers of how to do that but You've got enough people in, in uh, enough smart people in, in high positions that they could come up with something like that. Definitely. You've got the SFA and you get the SPFL. Mm-hmm. They're totally disconnected. Aye. So for a start, there's a problem. There's no sort of like infrastructure in place. There's no sort of like well, let's do this. Clubs should be doing this. There's certain things like yeah, I don't understand it as well. It's all something that fries my brain. It's I had a rant about it last week because you know. The top of these problems come along, of course, how much money they could be making, yet they'll still moan they said it with a bigger budget, or that's why we're losing. Yeah. No. yeah. It's, it's not why you're losing. It's losing because you're only doing it right. Don't worry exactly. about anything you're doing. Do it yourself. Just fix it. No, Listen, you're sorry, um, I was watching the Chelsea-Brighton game the other day, and um, I had mentioned Brighton the other day as like a, a type of club that people should look at. Obviously, they've got decent money compared to people in Scotland, but relatively in that English league, they beat Chelsea, who have spent six hundred million or plus, maybe I don't know, something mm-hmm. like that. Compared to Brighton, that maybe have spent about a hundred million, so like a five times uh, increase, let's say that. And they out absolutely outplayed them and looked brilliant. And yeah. you're like, so why can smaller teams not aspire to do that? They might not win leagues, but they could play unbelievable football. Look at when um, Steve Clark was manager at uh, Kilmarnock. They, they were third a couple of seasons in a row and the, the stadiums were full or the yeah. stadium was full. So in that, he had a style of play that worked and they stuck by it and the fans bought into it and look at the stadium, it was full. It was one I mean? of the hardest teams to play against. You know? is, no, it, you're spot on. You're spot on. And by the way, these figures are, are you know, at 5,000 additional tickets. Imagine it was the 10,000. Then you're looking at £1.5 million extra. Mm-hmm. I think we need to be a wee bit more creative when it comes to TV deals because we just think, right, who's giving us the most money? Sky will go there, like you say, Peter. But is that good for the game? Um, I, I see the future being a streaming service. I think that you have a subscription service and then, you know, they look at that deal and say, right, half the money, let's let's actually cut half the money equally amongst all the clubs and then let's have a look at the percentage of viewers on each of the games and then if you're getting more viewers, there's a percentage there and you'd probably be better off as a football club, um, you know, if, if we did it on the streaming service. We've got to look at something a wee bit more forward thinking now. Loads of the uh, regulars are in. Patrick Harold, afternoon comrades, good to see you. Mark as well. Uh, Mark is doing a, a fantastic thing with the Celtic jersey book where he's getting it signed multiple times by um, various players who are who are in the book. 
Um, it's going to be a worky app by the time you're finished as well, Mark. And Joseph McGonagall, afternoon, everybody. With that avatar, obviously showing what it could be like if the Celtic end becomes a, an all-standing section, uh, something we've spoken about in the past as well. Marky, the team's done the hard part building up a 12-point lead. I'm just enjoying the countdown to the title now. I'm enjoying it as well. Um, but just seem to be in that kind of uh, that run at the moment. Motherwell up next at home. David Boyle on the run in. I would love to see Kobayashi and Carter Vickers together with Atati Awata and McGregor in midfield. I, I would like to see at some point Carter Vickers and Kobayashi teaming up. That would be great. Now, um, there was some talk. Uh, you mentioned earlier, Brian, about the fact Carter Vickers, Hatate, Jota, Abada all missing. Four big, big players. You know, you take one of the players, that would be the best player in any other team in Scotland. Um, they were all out. But again, it just it does show the strength of the squad that we've got when you can you can replace them and we still win on a canter. Aye, absolutely. And I tell you what as well, a player we've not spoken about yet, uh, young Vata coming on. And Aye. what a cross he put in for all. Brilliant. I mean, a, I mean, exceptional cross. He took it mm-hmm. at pace and whipped it in. That was an excellent, excellent. He looks physically as well, so... He's a player I'm really excited to see more of, and I think we probably will. Um, and also, young Summers come on again. Thought he looked decent. Physically, looks looks up to the task. So the, you're really hoping that next season, you know, they force their way in as well, and, and, and they can pick up because if they're playing in a midfield next to guys like Hatati, McGregor, uh, Iwata, O'Reilly, etc., they're going to learn their trade. We're needing a new right winger, especially if Abada goes. Bata mm-hmm. could fill that void, you know, potentially. I imagine we want someone else in as a bit more backup, but this that's essentially the same time as well. Plus, you've got big um, Boston Loal, mm-hmm. who who hasn't been in yet, who looks every every bit a first team player to me. So there's so much to be excited about internally. And if you look at the performance, obviously shout out to the women's team as well. Great great result yesterday. Excellent, excellent result. Um, and the, the way the B team's been playing, you can actually see for the first time a bit of continuity between the academy, and then hopefully the first team, that pathway we've been crying out for for years. Mm-hmm. Um, so if he gets the Ange, um, season three of Ange Ball, and um, some of these young guys have come through already, I think that's well ahead of schedule, actually. And I think that's really exciting, and I think it's something that, you know, we've, we've been critical of other clubs, rightfully so, and I think we're critical of Celtic for it for a long time as well. And no having that joined up thinking, no having that plan in place. And it looks like we finally got it. So I just wanted to call out uh, young Summers who looked apart in, in Wata, uh, Vata for um, an excellent cross that all should have finished, really. But, um, but, but good to see. It was brilliant to see, Brian. I, I've mentioned this before. I brought that comment up, actually, because Anthony S was giving a shout-out to the, the women's team as well against Glasgow City. It was uh, a brilliant result, 4-2 away from home. Um, and it really just throws Fran's team back in the mix. You know, that I think that was the first defeat Glasgow City have um, had this season. So brilliant. Uh, obviously, Fran uh, recently assaulted on the park. And you um, spoke about that as well. Um, and the fact that he did get a personal apology for it. Uh, but the six-game ban is basically a token gesture, if you ask me. Um, now, Vata has been brought up, Peter, of... of told this story a few times over the years, but I do remember very, very early doors, because Vat is 17 now, right? He turns 18, I think, this week. Um, speaking to Rudy, Rudy Vata, about his lad, and I was with uh, Kevin Tate, who runs the penalty spot down in Sword Street in Glasgow, and uh, Kevin was saying, you know, Rudy's boy, some player, what a player he is. He's one of the best 
And, you know, Rudy was like, he's all right. Let's not get carried away. He's he's okay. And this, I think the boy was maybe 13 at the time, but he was showing some real promise, Peter. And now, fast forward a few years, he's done so well at international underage level for Ireland. And I think he's now made three, three substitute appearances for Celtic. But as Brian says, and I want to echo it, what a first-time pass that was, by the way. That was tremendous. Pinpoint. That's what a centre-forward wants. And to see it from Vata was really, really refreshing. Well, you need you need parents like that. I think um, any young, a lot of good young players that have been built up and they, they believe their hype and uh, they never make it. So if you've got somebody that's like telling you to keep your feet in the ground, just mm. keep walking hard um, and you'll go far, that's what you need. When I seen him coming on, I've not seen a lot of him, but when he he just let the ball open up, and I thought he was left-footed, but he just whipped it. What a ball on his right foot. I couldn't, and I don't know how he all missed it, but when I watched it back, I was like, that is the best cross of the game. Mm-hmm. Like that is a, The quality was unbelievable. And then having seen him up close, the size of him for his uh, age, so you're like, physically, he's, he's there already. Mm-hmm. So... Because we had obviously Karamoko Dembele, who was that was the big slight against him is like is he too small? He had all the talent and stuff, but a lot of times you need you need the physicality and seeing somebody like him uh, whipping that ball in and the size of him and stuff, um, you're like that's pretty exciting and it's really good to see people like him and Summers come on because Ange says that he, he's not giving them a a run out for the goodness of his heart. It's because they deserve it and they've been mm-hmm. playing well, so. That is that is good because he's seen it in training. It's, he's not just going, oh, the fair, I'll just throw on a couple of youngsters because we're four one up. He's like, no, you you found your you found your spot, and um, so it's really good to see. And uh, you always want young, exciting players coming through because um, the the club I think should always be sprinkled with 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 young talent, young British and Irish talent. Uh, you know what? I, I agree with that, right? And I know that, again, I keep going back to the, the fact that the game has changed so much, right? But I think it's in the best traditions of Celtic, Brian, that we have this sprinkling, this core, actually, of homegrown players. Um, and, you know, this team has it. When you think about Forrest, I know he's out injured, Ralston, uh, Welsh is part of the squad, McGregor. Th- this team does have it. Uh, but I think it's so, so important to a team like Celtic. It's part of the identity. Uh, and then what you get is a guy like McGregor, who knows what it's like to be at the club from God knows what age he was when he was at the club. Ben Summers has been at the club since he was seven. He's been at the club for 11 years. He's due a testimonial. He's only 18, right? And they know what the club's all about and the standards and, and everything else about it. I, I really do think it's important. The, the thing with Vata, uh, having watched, understandably watched his progression since having that conversation with his old fella, um, is that he seems to be the, the star man, you know, of that kind of age group. And we have seen this in the past, Brian, where it's no worked out for Celtic. So the three that come to my mind just having this conversation with probably Islam Farouz, you know, massive things were expected from him. Uh, and he ended up going to Chelsea and, and, you know, he's never kicked a ball professionally since he was 24, I think, he retired. Um, Karamoke Dembele, you know, 13-year-old wonder kid playing for the under-19s. We thought this was going to be one of European football's golden boys. And then Ben Doak, who, again, very, very talented, but we didn't see enough of it at Celtic. And he was whisked away to Liverpool. I think in the long line of young, talented players coming through, Vata, could well be the next in line. 
but I want to see how he's managed by somebody like Ange Postacoglu. You know, I think that's key to this situation. How is he going to be managed? Because I think uh, Doak, Postacoglu was too late to that party. There's nothing he could have done with, with Ben Doak. But I think we've got time to to have Vata as a proper you know, Celtic player who comes through and becomes that staple part of the first team if we manage him properly. We certainly hope so, is, is the, the, the first instance. But I think, you know, we talk about players being at Celtic, knowing what it means to be at Celtic and the demands and stuff. But actually, if you look at these players, I don't think Vata's benefiting directly because he knows the demands of being at Celtic. I think he's probably benefiting because he knows the demands of playing under Ange Postacoglu and knowing how high those standards are because they've been training with a lot of they've only started appearing I think Summers Batan eh, Lowell over the, the, the past few games on the bench but I think for most of the season they've been training with the first team as well Yeah. so they know what those demands are they know Ange doesn't play favourites you know he'll pick who he wants to pick and that's it he's no doing it as is is, is Paul said he's no doing it about a sentiment so that's got to have, that's got to like improve your mentality tenfold if I had to get time in the, the park yesterday, I must be thinking, right, I'm earning this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's no a token gesture. It's no because I've been at the club for so long. It's because this guy who's done wonders, who's dealing with tremendous players, who's coaching them at a high standard, thinks I'm worth it. That is incredible. And that's what our youngsters need. And you mentioned these guys before, like Dembele and Forensics, or Forensics, etc. If you look at, say, Dembele when he was signed, right, we think he was a good player, but we never really had a system because we're all changing managers. Mm-hmm. So everyone had a different way of playing, different way of working, different way of training. What you need to hope is that if you look at the way the, the B squad play, it's no dissimilar to the first team. So the idea being if they're coming through, it's no a huge leap. If they start training with the first team and then get a chance to play, they're going to fit right in. Mm-hmm. And that's what you have to have. You have to have that continuity between your academy and the first team so some of these guys have left because they want to get the chance some have left because there wasn't a pathway in place some have probably left because when a new manager came in they weren't suited and they weren't going to fit in yeah over the next you know weeks months years we start to see that a bit more regular um, and it's interesting with guys like Dem- Dembele and these guys that really hyped up I remember Colin and I had a, a heated discussion on here about Dembele one day because he said he was really excited to see you know Dembele get a chance under Ange and I said why? We've never seen him play and have a decent game. I keep hearing he's great, but I've yet to see it. Mm-hmm. Whereas at least with Vata, he's actually coming, he's, he's proven it, he's doing good things. You know, we're not putting a big spotlight on him, maybe he's talking a bit more of the time. So I think hopefully we'll start to see that filtering through. And you need to remember as well, just before I pass back, you talk about younger players, Kobayashi's only 22. I know. O's only 21. Mm-hmm. Aksibanovic is only 23. Carter Vickers is only 24. <laughs> There's a lot of potential to come for these guys. And I know Hitati's 24 just now. He's only been playing football for about two and a half years professionally. And O'Reilly as well. He's in that. O'Reilly, I agree, of course. Yeah. Right, my man, yeah. O'Reilly. Big mm-hmm. Matt. Um, so, you know, there's so much to come for these. So it's not just the youth players. It's a very youthful squad overall. Mm-hmm. No, you're, you're spot on. And the thing with, with Dembele, I remember uh, Dembele making his European debut for Celtic. 16-year-old. Youngest player ever to play 
uh, for Celtic in Europe. You know, it's not as though he didn't get chances, and as you say, Brian, under different managers, I think he was unfortunate with the broken ankle um, in the preseason game because it did look as though Ange was going to, you know, have a right good look at him. By the time he comes back to full fitness, uh, his head had turned, and at that point, Ange isn't interested if your your head's not in the building. Now, Doctor Nax, uh, good evening from Melbourne. I hope we see a ten 0 win before the end of the season. Why not? I mean, I know it's going to be tougher. Uh, potentially, or um, you know, after the, the post-split games, but we'll see what happens. Uh, you never know. Maybe we'll get it at Ibrox. Joseph McGonigal, um, McInnes moaning about a high boot. I want to talk about this. Yes, he is always greeting. He's one of the managers. Never got a good thing to say about Celtic. You know, it's uh, Robbie Nielsen was a moaning-faced gaffer. Uh, McInnes <laughs> is in that bracket. David Martindale's always moaning about Celtic. Um but it, it takes us on to the subject of O, oh, Peter, and a lot of people, myself included, uh, still think that we're maybe one striker short in the squad to get us that right good depth. Um, I have liked what I've seen around O, but there's a lot of discussion around the fact Klinsman was at the game. That's his international gaffer. It looked as though he was trying a wee bit too hard at times, I think. He should have scored that that cross that uh, Vata whipped in for him. But he's coming for a bit of... Uh, criticism from McInnes about the high boot and you know in the one breath I don't want the boy sent off but he should have got sent off that you know McInnes your team has just been absolutely destroyed by the way remember we've done that to his Aberdeen team in the first half up at Pataudry as well destroyed them in the first half um, I thought I was a wee bit harsh on, on O um, and, and I've actually said at times yeah there was a high boot but to call for a player to be sent off you know he's gone on about consistency because his player, Vassell, got a sending off earlier in the season. Right, I agree with that. There, there's a real lack of consistency from one game to the next. But, you know, sending off, that would have been really harsh, wouldn't it, Peter? Oh, definitely. I mean, I know he said it's happened to him before, but if if a Kilmarnock player went in like that yesterday, as far as I'm concerned, what I've seen, I don't think, I don't think he touched the, the boy's head. He kicked the ball, and I think the boy seen it was next to him. And he's went down holding it. No, I might be wrong, but that's I didn't see him actually touching his touching his head. High boot, simple yellow card and foul. I don't know why why it has to be made a big deal. Because if it if a Kilmarnock player done it and he, he wouldn't be shouting for a red card then. And if I if it was on a Celtic player, I would sort of be like yellow card foul. I don't think I'd be calling for, for reds. You, know, you do expect that from Derek McInnes, to be fair. I mean, th- th- this is a team, I-, I think in the second half, one of the, the big issues, obviously, we spoke about Kyogo coming away, uh, coming off rather, and that's fine. You need to get always oh, his game time and everything else, Brian. Um, but there was, a, a, there was a few things that, you know, you just need to look at the amount of fills that Celtic gave away. How can you be so dominant? 77% uh, possession, yet we gave away more fills than Kilmanic. I never understand that. I really don't understand that, Brian, but we see it time and time again. So the officials are breaking up the play constantly. You're getting niggly fills from Kilmarnock constantly. That That's a couple of these tactics that, they, that uh, seem to be deployed every time Celtic are running away with something. We do expect it. Um, but all getting a sending off would have just been, for me, it would have been a shocking decision. I think the referee got it right. Well, decision aside, if I was a Kilmarnock fan, and my team's just been scaled. 4-0 or 4-1 4-0 up after 20 minutes and the manager's coming out and his big issue is that Celtic should have had a player sent off would that have saved the game? no because you were battled by that time the game's over you should be taking account for how badly your team played that's what you want to hear if you're, you're a commander fan 
Mm-hmm. And it's that thing, it's like, well, I know we get beat, but they should have players sent off. Just look over there. It's a nonsense. It does my nothing. It's just, it's such a weak mentality. I can't deal with it. And even if it had been sent off, right, would it have changed it in the game? No. No, not in the slightest. In, in terms of the incident itself, look, it maybe could have went either way. I think it looks like for me, his eyes on the ball, his foot's up, and then the commander player comes in. So it's not as if the boy's going for the header and then he's booted him. He was there first. But if it had been a, a, a yellow card or whatever, I, I, I'd probably went, no sure about that, but fine, doesn't matter. And the reason I would have got wound up about it is because we were winning, the team was playing well, and it's made a decision. It's like sometimes when players, you know, like, can I square up to somebody? And you think, you've gave, if you just didn't do it, you wouldn't even give them a choice. So there's that element to it. But I think in terms of himself, I, I think he's done pretty well. To be honest, he's, again, he's only 21. He's going to a completely new team, completely new way of playing. And, you know, he's having to sort of, generally speaking, he's coming on a games where we're either running away with it or mm-hmm. the team's all dug right in. And I think what you see for him is he's a bit of a disruptor. So I don't think he's going to be the guy that's going to, he's not going to be as clinical as Kyogo or Jacques who he replaced. But I think what he does is he, he it, it kind of bullies defenders in a different way. So Kyogo will draw players towards him mm-hmm. or lose him and score. Whereas I think O just sort of rattles defences and pushes people wide and gives him something else to think about. Um, and I think that's what he's done and he's done it pretty well so far. And again, I think there's so much more to come from him. And Jürgen Klinsmann said before the game that he thinks he's a, a special player. So that's, I mean, he, he knows a player, I would suggest. So pretty high praise. Um, but yeah, I, I've been pretty pleased with him so far. And in terms of a third striker, if you're looking at European football in midweek games, weekend games, then yeah, you probably need a third one. Although mm-hmm. I would say I still think Nieder's best position's up front, if I'm honest. And I, I think if he was to fill in there, as long as we had a good winger coming in, maybe like Vata, I don't think we've got much to worry about. So I, I'm a bit more relaxed about the third striker situation. Um, but I do understand why um, we certainly need more attackers mm-hmm. in general. Yeah, I mean, I think, sorry, Peter, on you go. I was just going to say that I think all causes chaos when it comes on, basically, in a good way. Yes. Um, like, it just starts getting itself up against defenders. Now, it's brilliant. Uh, when you're talking about third, a third striker, prop, probably if, um, if let's say, Kyogo get injured, you would have one striker or vice versa. So you can't just have that throughout a season. But I, 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 I really enjoy him. I don't think he's had tons of time to make a really good impression. But what I've seen him, I like him. He's strong. A lot of balls were getting played into his chest. He was holding it up and laying it off. So that's all I really need to see from him uh, so far. Things like the finishing will come, I think. Um, I still think, like you said, he was brought in halfway through the season. He's still bedding in and he's young. Do you know what I mean? So when, once the pre-season uh, happens next year and I think he'll be firing on all cylinders, we'll probably see a different player. But I'm happy with what I've seen from him just now. And also, he came in at a, a difficult time of the game. The game was done and Kamarnik could sort of change their shape. So... They were getting more physical. They had probably an extra body in midfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, there wasn't as much space. So, and like like you say, a few substitutions had been made. So, the the, the dynamics of the game had sort of been disrupted and, and things like that. So, it's not as if it was just coming into a full flowing 
uh, rolling on the Boyle Celtic. It was like a lot of stops starting. So it was difficult, but I like it causes chaos when it goes in the box. You know, there was a shout for a penalty and stuff. It just mm-hmm. just seems to get himself in these good positions that uh, defend and, uh, and attract defenders to him and yeah. cause, uh, create fouls and stuff. Going back to the point Brian made earlier about you know the version two of a player like Hatati and all this kind of uh, thing that we've been talking about. You imagine O um, having worked with let's say Ange Postecoglou and Jurgen Klinsmann as his two gaffers for the next six months to twelve months. It's, it's going to benefit the player, right? Um, but one thing that I was pretty concerned about when Yakamakis was up top doing something a, a bit similar, you know, a very very strong player who didn't uh, mind getting in about the physical aspect of the game. And we've had strikers like that. Uh, down the years. I mean, big John Hartson, you know, he used to roll defenders. It was a big physical challenge playing against Hartson. Um, is I, I felt that that was something that was targeted with Yakamakis, whereby he's going down. How how dare he go down? He can't go down because he's so strong. Therefore, he's not going to get a free kick. He's not going to get a penalty. Yet, when the defender went down, and inevitably, invariably, the defender would get the benefit of the doubt because he's a big, strong player. And I hope that that doesn't happen with Owen. I think that's why I was a wee bit concerned with McInnes coming out and starting this narrative that, you know, high boot sending off, all right, before you know it, he's going down soft and and he's been too physical. So hopefully that doesn't follow O the way that it did Yakimakis. Uh, seven points to go to two in a row. We've now scored over 100 goals, Brian. Um, Kyogo's on 29. We're smashing records left, right and centre. And you know what? I still get the sense that we haven't seen the best of Angie's team yet. I mean, that that is something to say. But I, I serious, I still think it's a work in progress, Brian. Yeah, I think I think Angie's been quite clear about that as well. Um, and I think that's one of those things. I was chatting about this yesterday. Um, they talk about Angie potentially leaving at some point in the future. And I said, I, I think he's... I don't think he would leave a team at this stage. I just don't see it because I think there's a lot more to do. He said himself there's more to come for this team. You know, I, I, I'm no doing this to, to, you know, be difficult, but, you know, we do need a, a, a keeper that's more composed with the ball at his feet longer term. We probably need a really strong partner for Carter Vickers. Kobayashi maybe it, but I still think he's a level above. We probably need, you know, another really strong winger as well. So there's still work to be done, plus the players that are there still have to get better. Um, we've got a big challenge in Europe again next season. I think we have to do better than we've done. Performances were great this season, but results weren't. Yeah. And I think they have to change performance into the result in that stage. So I think maybe by the end of next season, we can start to go, that's probably what Angie's team looks like. But, you know, judging by everything he's said since he's been at the club, you know, he's always said as soon as training gets too easy, he changes it. Because he always wants it to be difficult. We always want it to be a challenge. He rejigged his coaching staff at the start of the season just to give them something to think about, just to give them another challenge. I don't see that changing at any point soon. No. no. And by the way, that's the way we want it. We don't want to stagnate. We don't want um, for us to get to a point where there is no evolution of the side. And I think that uh, we're already seeing that uh, with, with this new batch of players that are coming through. Um, seven points to two in a row. Peter, we're at that stage again. We're already counting it down. It turns into two in a row and we, and we go again. Um, but the big thing again, I think, also is, is the fact that you know, we won't we won't stop improving. I mean, I remember 
that being said, at the, the training session, the mic'd up training session, it became something of a mantra, something of a kind of motto. It was getting used on merchandise. But it wasn't just about within that 90 minutes of football. It was the, the evolution of the side. This constant um, need to improve that Brian talks about. Every player that's in that squad constantly having to improve and stay fresh. And uh, I watched that at the weekend there and there's a few comments came through from our friends all over the globe, uh, Melbourne as well, where they're saying, you know, we, we have a team at the moment that's capable of winning a game 10-0. We're not quite there yet. We're improving all the time. And I watched that at the weekend and I think with a kind of fresh perspective on it on a Monday, even though we absolutely obliterated that side in 27 minutes, we could be better. We could be even better than that, Peter. And I think that that doesn't bode well for the rest of the Scottish teams, uh, but it bodes well for us as Celtic fans. I'm a bit uh, Anybody that knows me, I'm a, I'm a very pessimistic person, so I'm glass half empty sort of person. So if we go into any game, maybe at the start of the season, I'm like, oh, maybe we'll drop points in that. But like, So see if you give somebody like me a 20-minute enthralling five nothing and then the rest of the game's done, I'll I'll be happy. It relaxing me for the rest of the weekend and I'm I'm delighted. So I'm definitely not complaining about these um you know maybe the game dying away at any point. But I take look at the I think on average we score three goals a game. This is like we have to remember where we were a couple of seasons ago. This is wild. It's it's quite unbelievable to like sit and watch and go, if you told us two seasons ago You'll be scoring three goals a game, a hundred goals, uh, beating Dundee United nine nothing, uh, potentially like I, we have got. My brother always said to me when when Ange first came, came in, he says we will beat somebody ten nothing, and he's, he's been adamant about it. But uh, and we got close with the nine. So and I was sort of laughed off at the time. I was like, oh, do you think so? He's like, I will. So look at look at the the movement and the the players we're getting in. Uh, just quickly on on the actual game, I think I just have to mention Kobayashi because, like, I really enjoyed his I really enjoyed his performance because I think he really offers something different. Just that different angle of pass. The like he clipped one down uh, the line for Maeda, mm-hmm. and I don't really think mm, uh, Starfelt's got that in him because he played it with his left foot over the um, over the right back. And I was like, that gives us something different. And the angle of pass into the midfield, it sort of allows Greg Taylor to really become, you know, that uh, uh, join in with the midfield because Kobe Ash is left-footed and he almost becomes that left-back and covers that left side. And I just think small things like that, players like that, to really refine the positions, we're just going to keep improving, improving, improving. But I wanted to, I wanted to give Kobe Ash a shout-out because no, no seeing a lot of him uh, and I hope that he keeps improving. I hope he is the guy that, that comes in, and obviously we love start, uh, Carter Vickers, so there's a guy that you're no probably going to uh, displace, so you would think it would be for Starfield if he does come in. Um, just quickly looking forward to the semi-final, I was thinking, although I really enjoyed his performance, I don't know if you could throw him into a game like that, purely for the fact that um, CCV and Starfield haven't really lost a game, and that's it, do you know what I mean? So. Yeah. I think it's a huge, a huge maybe risk. I wouldn't say risk, but um, when he's not played in a lot of games like that, it may be a risk. But I really enjoyed the way he played uh, <laughs> against Kilmarnock. I think it's a good point, Peter, because I said earlier that uh, you had like a an, a 
an idea in your own mind about a start and a loving, and sometimes it changes. You can tweak it a wee bit depending on the opposition. But I think Carter Vickers and Starfield have been through that battle so many times with Rangers. Mm-hmm. And um, there was an occasion last season where you were constantly being told how you know our defence hadn't been challenged or it wasn't up to the challenge, and they got battered for long spells of the game at Ibrox, and they came through it, and it was a brilliant. It was a brilliant defensive display, but it was a great partnership as well um, that's obviously been developing. So I'd agree with that. I wouldn't tend to change that. Uh, I think the defence and the goalie will pick itself in the semi-final. Hopefully they're all fit. A couple of wee points before we wrap up today. Uh, JK67, we always take pride in the Lisbon Lions, all but two being from within a 10-mile radius of Parkhead. It's the right thing to invest in our youth. I agree with that. I think it's part of our proud traditions as a football club and the identity that we have uh, and Kaiser quite rightly points out some left for the money yeah that's going to be difficult when it comes to the point and even a lot of the ones we've not mentioned um, it's difficult if a Bayern Munich or a Liverpool or a team like that comes in for one of your youngsters you know there's going to be a very difficult task on your hands in keeping them uh, so we need to take that into consideration Um Way over 800 actually on the live stream on this Monday afternoon. Thank you very much. Again, second appearance for Peter Magaki. Brilliant. Thanks for joining us, uh, Peter. I really appreciate it. It's great to have you on the team. Um, And the team will be in attendance, actually, for two nights at the end of this month. First one up is Alan Thompson at Gracie's, and the second one is this one here. It's Big Bad John with a Celtic state of mind, Saturday the 29th of April, 2023 at Barra's Art and Design. If you haven't seen the venue, it's a cracker, Brian. You've been there for one of our events. Um, tickets are 15 quid from Skiddle. The link is underneath this video. And if you buy a ticket, you go into a draw to win a signed and framed Joe Hart jersey, which looks something like that. So thank you, everybody who's already uh, bought your tickets. I'm really looking forward to the night, as always. And uh, if you have not joined us yet, come along and you'll be able to see some, quite a few, I hope, members of the Axom team as well will be mingling um, at Barra's Art and Design. It's always a pleasure to see the, the regular names and the newbies coming in on the comment section. Thank you all for joining us. And thank you to uh, Peter and Brian for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Network.